Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of the Future Sox MLB podcast. How are you all doing this evening? I hope you're doing well. Joining me this evening, as per usual, is Nick Morowski and Danny Miller down on the end over there. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? Danny, uh, go ahead first, sir. Wow. Thank you. Uh, you know, hanging in there, man. Uh, I, uh, I will say this, if you had asked me this a couple of days ago, you know, and we, you and I have talked about this in the past, Ian, I may be the type that has a knee jerk reaction when the White Sox make some moves that, uh, if I have not had some time to think about, I might get a little upset about them, but, uh, you know, as time has rolled on, I'm feeling, uh, you know, at least, uh, off the ledge on uh, some of those things and we'll get deeper into that as the show goes on but yeah i'm doing okay man uh you know just another day here on the uh in the in the old uh south suburb of burbank and uh you know waiting for spring patiently how you doing man these are the dog days of the off season you know uh like we're we're we're, we're close but and Hey, the team looks a lot different since the last time we talked. And I think, Ian, you even kind of alluded, you know, obviously there was just some hope there of, you know, maybe next time we talk, there'll be something going on. But I, I want to hear, I can't wait to hear your reaction stuff, uh, Danny. And because I, I love it, man. <laughs> we are in a world of like just instant reaction, like over stuff that I don't even think we know what we're talking about sometimes, but we feel like we have to have a reaction. So we do. I'm just letting this stuff wash over me, like just like a uh, waterfall, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, we'll, we'll still talk about it. All in all, it, it's a good time to talk socks. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I am starting the show with a heater. Ripping it right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, baby. I've, uh, even though I've had some time to, to digest a little bit, and I, I definitely feel better about some of the things that I wasn't exactly feeling great about in the beginning. I still have a little bit of that agita that, uh, you know, this White Sox team gives me, oh, very so kindly. They just, they're so generous with the agita. But, uh, you know, I digress. Let's go ahead and get on with the show. Well, uh, I would assume that most people, that if you're listening to this, you probably know what happened. Uh, but <laughs> Chris gets there he is. strikes again. And uh, makes a couple of trades over the weekend, sends Chris John Mena to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Dom Fletcher, an outfielder who is capable of playing any outfield spot. Uh, he is a man of smaller stature, coming in at five foot six, uh, but he plays a good brand of baseball, and he is not a punch and Judy hitter. So, um, there's that deal, and then there was also the trade of Gregory Santos to the Mariners for Perlander Baroa and Zach Deloach, an outfielder, um, and also in that uh, trade was included a comp B pick to the White Sox, which at the current moment stands at the 69th pick in the draft, uh, but... You know, if you listen to the uh, Future Sox podcast with James and I on Sunday, 
the odds that that ends up being the 69th pick drop because there are going to be other guys that are going to be signed that are going to uh, possibly end up uh, voiding out and removing picks for other teams, uh, you know, having them surrender their comp picks. So, uh, yeah, there's a handful of guys out there that are free agents that have been offered uh, qualifying offers, and uh, that's going to uh, shuffle the deck just slightly for the White Sox there. Yeah, there's still something like 132 free agents or something along those lines, uh, and we are, and, you know, it's part of the title of tonight's show. We are one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So we are one week out from Major League Baseball players showing up to their respective teams, and there are still 130 guys without jobs not knowing where they're going. And uh, I don't know if you guys happen to catch the uh, A.J. Pruszynski uh, talking about how unhappy he is that some of these guys still don't know where they're going to be, don't know where they're going to live. Um, did you, any, either you guys happen to catch that? I, I didn't catch it, but it, I could see how he would go on that type of rant. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. It's just a wild world, um, and it's got to be frustrating, uh, which is why I always thought players would try to sign – earlier like even if it wasn't like the best deal that they possibly could get just for peace of mind for themselves their family just their kids everything that needs to get in order before the season they'd say you know what look I'm looking at what the future could be and if this is what it's going to be I might as well just figure it out now so I can get my ducks in a row so it, it is strange yeah, uh, you know, I have a couple thoughts about where we sit right now, one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting. But uh, along those lines, uh, you know, I, I don't really see it affecting the White Sox so much because, honestly, I don't really see them making a whole lot more moves on uh, any of that 132 unless, I don't know, Chris gets find another, finds another bullpen pitcher he wants to throw $1.5 million at, you know, because that's where the White Sox seem to be spending all their money again this year, even if it is in very small increments, it's spending in the tens and tens of millions. Right. <laughs> but, uh, Ugh. you know, it, the thing is, is the, the, what used to be the hot stove has been a low simmer for a few years now. Uh, you know, these, I, I don't know if it's the giant, you know, just ultra ridiculous free agent, signings that we've been seeing the last couple of years you know Shohei Otani this season was just uh I mean that was the blockbuster of all blockbusters at this point in in, in the history of baseball right but uh you know I don't know if that's the case but hot stove season used to be exciting it used to be fun there was a lot of talk and a lot of speculation about who was going to go where who was going to get how much money and things kind of rolled and uh you know Lately. Well, Danny, it wasn't uh, – you, did you think it was a lively class, though? I mean, I didn't think there were a no, ton and, of monsters in this free agency. Yeah, it's it's not the best year, obviously, for sure. Um, and I think, you know, we probably get into that a little bit more, too. I, I think that's why the White Sox 
you know, everybody wants to say, oh, well, our, our owner doesn't want to spend and we've got a brand new GM and he does not, you know, and, and, and he's only got, you know, he, he's handcuffed and, and or he doesn't know what he's doing. But to be completely honest with you, this wasn't the year I wanted to see them really go out and spend anyway. If you're going to do it, the next two uh, free agent classes are uh, exponentially better than this one is uh, kind of cut out to be. But, I, I, you know, I just wanted some sort of excitement outside of the show a thing right you know cody bellinger still sitting out there looking for a home uh you know we've got montgomery yeah right now jordan montgomery i kind of understand a little bit because outside of last season numbers haven't been exactly fantastic right but yeah when you got blake snell who's a two-time Cy Young award winner, albeit, you know, the years in between is, is Cy Young's were not great. You still kind of thought, at least I did, that maybe he would be a hot commodity and there'd be a lot of smoke around him. Uh, but really all the smoke is just kind of, he's still on the board, you know? And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, it, it's just kind of crazy. But uh, again, it, I don't think any of it really plays into the White Sox hands at all. And I guess that brings me to the second thought that I had about all of this being that we're a week away. I just wanted to point out one thing is here we are a second year of Pedro Gafal's uh, tenure as the White Sox skipper and first year into Chris Getz's uh, tenure as a GM and, and Bannister and all the new guys. And the one thing I would say the White Sox might have going for him into the uh, spring training and into the season this year is no WBC like we saw last year. Everybody gets to report together and play together in spring training, and we're not trying to meal, you know, piecemeal uh, minor league games. And, and well, that, that was a big issue, Danny. Do you remember that? Oh my goodness, we didn't have the veterans there. Did you remember those articles? Uh, we were missing the veteran presence of guys uh, in Camelback Ranch. And that's why the stocks just couldn't get off. They couldn't get everything together. And we got off to the sluggish. So we need those guys. Those leaders weren't there because of the WBC. Oh, my goodness. They were not allowed to establish the culture. Therefore, starting the season in a rut and just causing all sorts of issues. Um, I was waiting for that C word to come out, man. I put that one on a T for you guys, so. Well, I mean, thank you for obliging me. <laughs> it, it would appear that that does seem to be a, a big focus for Chris Getz this offseason is trying to change the uh, mentality of the club. And um, I think that, uh, you know, at least with the Dom Fletcher pick, uh, that at least you could say that for that for, for that particular uh acquisition also Kevin Pillar and uh Brett Phillips I mean generally you know regarded as team players and guys that do little things for the club that have been sorely lacking from the White Sox and I I, you know well and they're all MLB outfielders that is true all right fielders they're all right fielders they're not first basemen trying to play right field yeah, I, I had this conversation. But, but are uh, they overwhelming? Like, oh, wow, they're not going to blow you away. They're, they're, it's depth. You know, that, to, to go to your point, uh, Danny, I think what you maybe were alluding to, 
Well, the Sox could go out and just figure that out. You could figure right field out if you wanted. You could get Bellinger. You know, you could stop with all this. And we've been talking about this for years. Stop with all these little, like, well, we're going to platoon. Look at the depth that we have now. It's like, well, how about get some starting right fielders in? Some proven, some premium talent out there in the corner outfield. It just irks me. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, I had this conversation with James on the on the Sunday show that a bunch of these guys that have been signed, a bunch of them are going to, you know, are going to be non-roster invitees, you know, including Pilar and Brett Phillips, uh, Rafael Ortega, you know, as they signed minor league deals. And um, eventually they're going to be looking for new jobs because there are still guys in the outfield in Charlotte in, you know, Yoelki Cespedes and Oscar Colas. I mean, it's possible that maybe Cespedes gets, you know, released at some point. I mean, there's, there's a possibility. Um, There's a Mark Payton that has come back now and, yeah, he's back from Japan, and uh, you know, and I, I mentioned him as well. He didn't have a, a great year in Japan. He had some uh, a string of injuries while he was over there. But realistically, you know, having watched a season of Mark Payton, the guy is exactly like a Kevin Pillar or a Brett Phillips, just without the resume of spending a bunch of time up in the majors. You know. Brett Phillips, yes, he was in the majors, and yes, he did have uh, one large hit uh, in a in a pressure pack situation. But realistically, the guy has never hit in the major leagues, um, so I, I can't say that he's really got a stellar resume. But he does have time in the bigs, and he has proved that his defense is very good. But I, you know, with with all these recent acquisitions, and then you got Zach Deloach coming over in that deal with the Mariners. I have the feeling that you're going to be looking at an outfield of Uelke, Oscar Colas, and Zach Deloach as your starting, you know, your opening day Charlotte outfield. And Pilar's probably going to end up with the big league club, and. You know, if you look at his splits and then you look at Dom Fletcher's splits, they pretty much fit perfect to where one's deficiency is the other's strength, and both of them can play a very competent outfield. So I know that it's not the ideal situation having a platoon in right field, but after what we've seen, um, you know, if – I don't know if you've taken a look, but if you look at the depth chart on the White Sox home site, the right field number one in the depth chart is Gavin Sheets. So yeah, that's that's got to change. Hopefully, that's that has changed. There is um, no way that's not going to change. Yeah, no, I I get all that. Those are great points. Um, it, it does seem like they're they've been going after a type. Uh, you know, Pedro Grafol has, I'm sure, opened up to Getz and said, I couldn't say this to Rick. You know, I was just trying to figure things out. I didn't want to rock the boat. Someone finally gave me an opportunity to be an MLB manager. But I can say this to you, Getz, because we have a relationship. There is a lot of stuff that needs to change. You know, sure, culture, this, that, and the other. But the type of players 
uh, that, you know, I was gifted. Mm -mm. This is what I need. This is what I want. And you you see these moves that have been happening and nothing has wowed me at all. I think that, yeah, of course, the team's going to be better defensively. The bar was low. Um, But yeah, Fletcher excites me. You know, what what are you going to do with an arm like Santos? on a team like the White Sox. You know, I was kind of surprised he wasn't moved at the trade deadline uh, last year. He's, he's worthless to the Sox and uh, what they're doing compared to what a team that actually is going to do something, uh, what they could use him for. So that was the smart move. You guys can speak, and, and I'm, you know, I'm really curious to hear more of your, your thoughts on, on Mania because I, I, you know, I heard stuff from Dan Victor last year and, and a bunch of other people that – you know, covered prospect arms and, and you guys were in the weeds on a guy like that. Seemed like there were a lot of folks high on that arm. They were, they were interested in seeing what we were going to have, but you and I, we all three of us talked about how the Sox hold on to guys a little too long. So I'm really curious to get your viewpoints on, on that deal. You want me to take this Danny? I assume. Uh, you know, I mean, I have my thoughts, but you can go ahead. I'll, I'll jump in uh, when you're done. Well, I, I'll start with the, the last thing you said about the White Sox keeping players for too long. That was not a problem with him because, you know, he was signed very, you know, very young and he was traded very young. Um, I, I kind of feel that the trade was kind of one of those things where the White Sox didn't want to give up Mena, but they wanted Fletcher. And the Diamondbacks wanted Mena. So that's what the deal ended up being. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's uh, younger but closer to the major leagues, at least by his assignment, uh, would benefit the the D-backs in the short term and the long term because he'll have a lot of control as well. Uh, the, the concerns with him that... I, I don't know as if they're necessarily something that can be remedied 100% because his his fastball is not an elite fastball. His fastball is, you know. 92, Yeah, in, in 2000, he would have been middle of the road. But now he's no longer, you know, his, his velocity with the way things have gone, his velocity is not there. So and it hasn't progressed in, in some time. It's it's been sitting in that same it's been sitting in that same range of MPH for a few years now. Yeah, that's yeah, a like problem. Three yeah. years. Yeah. And, and like the, the issue is, is that the command has also been an issue here and there. Um, again, you know, th- this has been a one of those things where we talk about this a lot when it comes to prospects is you don't know what the particular players are working on in particular and that might be why a a pitch a particular pitch mix is being called is because they are particularly working on you know their change up or they're particularly working on their command up in the zone or whatever it might be you don't know exactly what that is and that may have uh caused an issue there uh and also he pitched in double a most of the year last year where the first half of the season they had the super tack ball, which was nobody's favorite thing ever, and most of these people never want to see that again. Um, so that that's probably also an issue when it come when it comes to his first half numbers. 
And then in the second half, he has to readjust to throwing a normal baseball again. So the the whole thing of getting comfortable is kind of thrown out the window there. So that causes an issue as well. His command, I feel, was a little better uh, in 2022 than it was in 2023, but that could possibly be why. And also, um, something that I trying to remember who was uh, I, I was watching something where they were. T- oh, I was. Uh, it was uh, top 100s, uh, the baseball uh, MLB pipeline top 100. And they were talking about the fact that when you're looking at walk rates for AAA in particular, that they saw a boom in walk rates last year. And when you're looking at hitters, you don't want to overvalue the walk. And for pitchers, you don't want to panic too much about walk rates in AAA either because this was – the first year where most of these guys are using the ABS automatic balls and strikes system. And uh, not that it's a bad system. It's just the way that it gets called uh, is often, it seems kind of a bit off. It's not how we're used to seeing balls and strikes called. So that led to a rise in walk rates. So when he got to triple a <laughs> in Charlotte, Charlotte in particular, it's it's a it's a thing you know so uh that's my thoughts what do you think danny uh you pretty much nailed it actually uh the few things that i wanted to point out was one you know you you hit right on the head with the fastball uh and and it's that's not something that's it's been a major secret i think maybe a lot of fans hadn't heard it but anybody who follows you know the way we do with the minor leagues uh, and not just you and I, Ian. I know Nick doesn't spend a, a, a ton of time with the uh, with the minor league guys, but you know we've got guys like Dan Victor and and James Fox here and and Elijah and everybody pays a lot of attention. And I think probably most of the folks here at Future Sox would tell you that uh, you know the fastball was something of a concern for uh, White Sox brass, and uh, you know it unfortunate as it may be and and this is the reason why i had that going because i was a fan of christian mena uh he's got uh he's got some pretty filthy stuff and when he's doing his thing and he's getting those pitchers pitches uh, i mean it's he almost looks unhittable but when you've got 93 miles an hour you're topping off you're you're just not gonna make it in the majors unless you're greg maddox which i don't know if we'll ever see a Greg Maddox type pitcher again in the, the state of the game now, because guys are just catching up to this stuff. The, you know, the, uh, the new analytics, uh, the new technology, all of these things that, that hitters are working with these days as a pitcher uh, is got to be absolutely frustrating because you're not going to get the same kind of swing and miss that you would. I mean, unless you're guessing you're pitching, it's uh, you know, the 2023 white Sox. But uh, you're not going to get the same type of swing and miss that guys were getting in the mid to late 90s. You know what I mean? So uh, you got to have at least a fastball that's hitting mid 90s to have any sort of chance whatsoever. Right. So I think that was kind of a big deal. Uh, and part of the reason why I was able to, you know, kind of let go on that. The other thing is, is, uh, you know, the player that they get in return in Fletcher is a position of need and albeit he's you know 
He's he's a bit on the smaller side. He does have some pop in his bat. He runs like his legs are longer than he's five six. Uh he's I'm not saying he's some kind of speedster. He's not yeah, Billy no, Hamilton not. out yeah. there by any means. But, you know, he has played some some center field in his in his time. Uh so he can cover some ground. And he's defensively really solid. You know, the only thing about him playing right field is I've heard there's some knocks on the arm. I'm not real sure uh, how that goes. I mean, it. you know, I, I haven't really had an opportunity to see him play a lot. I caught him playing a little bit last season. But uh, he just, when you look at the trade overall as a whole and what it does for Arizona and what it does for the White Sox, you kind of got to go, <clears throat> excuse me, it made sense for both sides. Uh, for all the does reasons it happen, that you said. Does it happen without Barfield? You know, Barfield's not in the organization. Uh, does he, do you, do you really make that deal? Or was, or is it the situation where like, you know, uh, this is getting into the weeds of this, but this is kind of what I've been thinking over the last couple of days is were the Sox really trying to get rid of mania or was it a bigger situation of Barfield's in the system? Barfield likes Fletcher and is saying to Gats Grafol, I got a guy for you. If we could get this done, let's try to get him over. And then and that's how all of that went down. Yeah, I can't imagine that they're trying to get rid of Mena. Um, but, you know, I think that there is definitely some concern. And there there was, from, from my point of view, that, uh, you know, that – as he progresses through the system and his, you know, he starts climbing levels, uh, his curveball is still fantastic, but guys sitting on the fastball and catching up to that fastball as he climbs the ladder on it, uh, it's going to be a, a much bigger issue every level he goes up. So I think that that's, that's a, that's a thing of particular concern. Um, but yeah, you know. maybe Arizona unlocks some more uh, power, brings back, you know, brings his, uh, you know, his fastball up a few ticks. I, I don't really know. And I've saw I've seen that brought up in a few different chats like, oh, my God, you know, if that happens, uh, you know, the White Sox going to look like buffoons. But honestly, you can't try to go down that road. You know, uh, we as White Sox fans tend to do that a lot. And then we'll look back at something like, you know, a certain uh, Tatis Jr. player that everybody goes, oh, my God, I can't believe we got rid of that guy. He's a penal. He's a, he's a he's just a he's a superstar and who can't stay healthy, by the way, and gets popped for all kinds of crap. But, uh, you know, it, I, we can't look at Christian Mena that way because right now in the moment, he just doesn't fit a spot with this White Sox team. And, and as close as people are trying to say that he was, he really wasn't close. I don't think you were going to see him pitching for the White Sox at the major league level this year. Not this you know year, what I mean? No. He's He's got a handful of time at the double A. And like Ian says, once you start moving him up that ladder, uh, chances are he's going to get dinged up quite a bit. Yeah. I think what the, what the um, initial optics are with moving an arm is – you start looking at, well, Cease might be gone. We don't know what we have in Kopech. Crochet wants to start. Is he going to have to close now? And when you see a young arm being moved, I think that's where some fans, and, and me included, I was just like, oh, 
We must be really high on this Fletcher because we need, we're going to need a rotation soon. So that, that's just where, if I don't know as much, which I don't, I'm like towing the water. You guys have been my source and James Fox and Victor, but wow, we're getting rid of a young arm. It must be because we really um, are excited about this guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've been watching personally, I've been watching him since he played at Kane County and, uh, He's always been a, a fun watch, you know. He's he's uh, full of energy, and the guy does play hard, and he plays, you know, the right way. Um, Grinder ball. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, the rules. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the only thing that 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 is not part of the grinder ball thing is that he's got gap to gap power, even though he's you know a shorter guy. He can still you know hit a home run. He can still you know. Rock one off the, the power alley. he still alleys. does. We, we, yeah, let's, be, let's be very clear. This is not Nick Madrigal 2.0. Huh. Uh, no. You know, you, you, the comparisons and size stop right pretty much about there. They're, they're, they're very different players. Uh, Nick Madrigal wanted to be a gamer, uh, which is probably why he ran himself into some situations. You know, he wanted to live up to the hype around his name. Uh, Fletcher is a gamer. And, uh, you know... I think he probably plays a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because of his size and he does it well. He handles it, it well. So, uh, but you know, you brought up uh Barfield in that conversation, Nick, and I would definitely say that, I mean, in my opinion, when we talk about trading, uh, uh, Santos, <laughs> I would say there's that there's definitely a Barfield oh, connection yeah. in that trade. <laughs> yeah, he's you know, I, a couple I, of times. I oh, talked Bannister, a little bit. Yeah. Of, I'm sorry, uh, Bannister, not Barfield. Well, it's it's anybody that you bring into the organization. You know, I had a little bit of this conversation with Pat on good guys. Of you know, we we talk about you know why are the Sox trying to become the Royals, and it's really Katz is just trying to surround himself with people that he's comfortable with, and it just so happens that he spent a lot of time working through the Royal system, Grafols through the Royal uh, from the Royals, which I think gets probably had a hand in that. And, and here we go. The thing about Barfield that I like is he's coming from a winning organization, you know, so we're getting, we're getting, when we can get people in from different organizations that are doing things the right way, we get different perspectives on how to do things, you know, how players have been developed and where other guys are throughout the league. You know, when you're just tapping into the Royals, I get why, but you're kind of closing yourself off from all these other, uh, you know, wealth or depth. So that's that. I like that. That makes sense. You know, that I'm excited about Barfield coming over even more because he can tap into a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, I you know obviously the Barfield has a had the relationship with uh, with Hazen in in Arizona, um, you know between Bannister and Yanish and Barfield. Yeah, I also you know get fired up when when the White Sox hire another guy from uh, you know from the Royals, and I also kind of get a little bit of you know like. Uh, you know when uh, Sam Mondry Cohen gets gets yoinked, you yeah, know that was not um, it, but you know as I said in uh, in in our chat, you know an underutilized asset that feels that he's wasting his time is is more likely to go somewhere else where he feels he's going to be more utilized, 
And, you know, uh, but back to the other guys, you know, having just a few guys that have it, a different viewpoint on things and different values of who the White Sox have in their system and uh, having watched other players from other systems and having a different viewpoint on them as well has to be a, a good influence on, on Getz and help him with his job to make better decisions. So yeah, oh yeah. that's, that's, that's all that we can hope for. And so far, you know, I have to say that the, the returns on these deals, you know, I, you can say, yeah, Gregory Santos, you know, was, was looking like a, a stud last year, but I mean, you know, we've got Jordan leisure who had a 50% strikeout rate in the Arizona fall league after he learned how to, you know, he, he learned a new pitch. He, started throwing a curveball and we've got Alex Spees who who we claimed from the Rangers in uh in early October that throws 102 103 talk to you about a minute but Roger and then and then they pick up uh Perlander Baroa who's another one of those guys that people had have had their eye on for a little while is one of those guys that they had tabbed for a closer role now you have uh, control concerns with Spees and uh, Baroa, but I mean both of those guys have really nasty stuff. And you know, uh, uh, Spees is six three, and Baroa is generating a hundred to a hundred and two miles an hour at five foot eleven. So yeah, I mean he, he's <laughs> Wagner. He, dude's got an arm on him. So I mean there there are other options out there as far as the the closer role goes, and that's one thing I I wanted to uh, to get to here uh, uh, is the the pitching staff most more more than anything else because that's who's reporting bef- you know the day that we do our next uh, our next stream here. So I kind of wanted to get your guys' ideas on that. Uh, what what were you going to say about uh, Spees, Danny? Now you know, <clears throat> uh, my only question about Spees, and I know you and James, uh, you know, I watched the show live on Sunday night, and uh, you guys had a lot of great things to say about him. Uh, you pulled up some really great video footage of his uh, debut, I believe it was. Yep. Uh, you know, he went 1.2 scoreless or whatever uh, first like the fifth time or fifth best opening performance of a, uh, a Mariners pitcher. But, uh, you know, my thing about Spees is that, uh, I, I felt like I noticed something in the video and I, I don't know if you have that available. If you don't, that's fine. But if, if you're listening to this show, uh, I would employ you to go back and watch Sunday night's show with, uh, Ian and James and uh tell me if i'm wrong here but i feel like he tips his pitches it almost jumped out at me and i i could possibly be wrong but uh it seemed like he pulls his hand out of his glove right before his delivery pulls it out puts it back in which you know at the lower levels can be called for a balk uh trust me i know i used to do it a lot (laughs) but uh I noticed that uh, on his fastball and his breaking balls, the depth at which his hand comes out of his glove was different. And I'm hoping that maybe I'm wrong, 
but I it, it, it almost seemed like, like so obvious that how could I how could I be right? Because I feel like somebody in, in Major League Baseball would have had to pick up on that rather quickly. And uh, I was just kind of curious. If... Pitchers, though, I mean, Danny, like last year, wasn't there a Kopech situation? And we've had uh, Giolito, and it's like, how are we not looking at that? How is our staff? How is uh, how are coaches not not able to pick that up? Um, so maybe you might be onto something, Danny. You might have cracked that. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't anybody, but I pitched, and it just have a tendency to kind of watch those kinds of things. Absolutely. Uh, I, I pitched too, and you were right with that. I mean, gosh, subtleties. And if you've got smart guys on the bench and you've got smart coaches and, uh, and you're up against just some smart hitters, I mean, they'll pick up any little thing. They're, they're just trained to do that. So you'll get, you'll get figured out quick. Yeah. Well, yeah, no I mean, agreement here. I'm just saying, he uh, came out of the bullpen in that game, faced Wander Franco as his first pit, as his first batter, struck him out, then struck out uh, Yandy Diaz, and then struck out Randy Rosarena, and then got like a three pitch pop out in the uh, the final at bat of the uh, that that uh, that inning right there. So, I mean, guys got really nasty stuff, and they have a hard time picking up on, on his slider. So uh, there is that. Um, let me go ahead and uh, do, 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 do. go ahead and bring this up. Yeah, sorry to throw you a curveball on oh, this. Oh no, one. all I, good, man. It just it was just happened to be something picked up, and uh, you know I didn't want to. Uh, actually, kind of wanted to save the question for tonight. To be honest with you, instead of hitting you live at the moment. But hello. Yeah, just watch the way his. Oh, see, he didn't pull his hand out of his glove at all on that one. Yeah, or that one. <laughs> you know who used to do that? I mean, Hendricks used to do that. If yes, he did. Yeah, and that's that was like one of his big, uh, one of his big issues where he ended up, uh, you know, giving up home runs a lot was that uh, yes. that tap on the uh, on the yep, fastball yep, every yep. time he would throw it. Yeah, no, for sure. There you there go. Was. He, yep. Was the bell tower again? And I started kind of noticing that. Yeah, like once you do it as a pitcher in, and you feel like you got a rhythm, that's his cutter. Just like, yeah, the the times that you saw him do that, that was on his cutter, which is actually uh, a new pitch in his arsenal. Um, he added it in uh, the off season in between twenty two and twenty three. So, I mean, that might have something to do with it, but I think that that's kind of one of those things that Bannister will definitely pick up on. That was. Nasty K of a Rosa Marina there, just throwing his bat down the uh, down the third baseline. I mean, that's what you hope. You know, I, it sounds so obvious, but that's what you hope spring training is all about. You know, clearing some things up. Bannister, Cats, they're getting they're getting eyes on a lot of these guys, probably for the first time live. And there's a lot of new faces. I mean, you are going to need names on the back of jerseys uh, just to kind of figure out who's who. That's what you hope is just cleaning things up. Uh, so up here on the screen, I have what is listed as the depth chart from uh, the White Sox on MLB.com's team page. And obviously, you know, there is going to be some, you know, 
guys that aren't going to be in the starting rotation here. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens with Cease. Obviously, I don't want to even go down that road at all because it seems like every time I talk about the White Sox, I have to talk about Dylan Cease in the trade market. So let's just skip over that for this evening. But uh, we got uh, <laughs> the top seven here are Cease, Kopech, Toussaint, Michael Soroka, Eric Fetty, Chris Flexen, and Jared Schuster. Um, so that's seven. And, you know, as we've all talked about before, the the average amount of starters that a team needs to make it through an entire season is generally about 11. Um, now, I don't know, uh, obviously, barring injuries and whatever, um, we just know that there's no way that we're going to get through an entire season uh, with, um, you know, just the starting five. So you're going to need additional pitchers. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what happens with Kopech this year. And um, uh, this is, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, and I can't help but agree that this is this is the year right here for him. If oh, yeah. if yeah. he doesn't stand up and take the job and perform at a you know fairly high level as a starter this year, he's there's no I don't see anybody giving him a shot in the starting rotation ever again anywhere. Yeah, I and and I really think they're looking at him as a starter. And honestly, personally, as just as a fan, I hope they are. I think that's where his value is uh, is, is is a starter. I'm I'm worried about him out of the bullpen. I mean, I, I haven't seen much uh, control. I think that's the big bugaboo. But if he can excel as a starter, then he would have to get his control in order uh, anyway. Uh, with the with the way this rotation is right now, I want him. If everything is true that we've been hearing, and boy, I, you know, I, I wish that was the case with everything that we hear every offseason. But everything we're hearing about, you know, how he's been progressing this offseason, what kind of offseason he's having, time will tell in Arizona. He might absolutely pitch himself out of a starting rotation position, but I'm rooting for him. I really am. I mean, I, I want him to hit. You know, th this is this has been a long journey, man. And I, I just want to, I want to see what a healthy, competent, confident, effective Michael Kopech can do. Can he do it? That's the question, but I would love to see it in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, I have to agree. Uh, to be honest with you, if you can't, <clears throat> excuse me, if you can't do it in the rotation and, you know, we've seen those starts where Michael Kopech comes out and he doesn't have it right away quite often, and you see it immediately. Is that a guy you want coming in in the fourth, fifth, sixth? Well, a lot of people seem to think that if he goes to the, to the, to the bullpen, he's going to be high leverage, you know, set up slash closer type guy. Uh, is that a guy you want coming in with a one or two run lead and he immediately – doesn't have it and now he's going to face three batters yeah exactly danny exactly i mean you're going to have to bring him in a clean inning you know because there's the threat of of walking and all of this other stuff that there's too many liabilities and to to play that game it, that's a different mental piece too 
And, and don't tell me, well, like pitching is pitching. No, it's not. It is absolutely not. And there are so many craft spots in, in a, either, you know, in the bullpen or, or what have you. But when you're a starter and you have that mentality, it's a little bit different. You know, you could get away with maybe a rough first or something, and then you could get your legs, and then you could, you know, even out a four or five, maybe into the sixth. But if you don't have it as a reliever, you do not have time to figure it out, you know. And, and to your point, you got to face three batters then. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, I, honestly, if this was a few years ago where we weren't dealing with that new three batter rule, it's, it's I guess it's not all that new anymore, but – you know, back in the day where there was there was your specialty pitchers, you know, your your left-handed bullpen arm that was going to come in for the matchup for one batter and then sit down. Uh, you know, you had guys that, you know, maybe uh, Tony Larusa sitting on the bench and he's he's looking at uh, you know what this guy does at, at three and one. You know, have you seen his numbers? Have you have you seen what he does on a on a on a on a, on a one-two count? You, you, have you seen what he does on a one-two count? You're talking about our current <laughs> consultant, Danny. Uh, he's a, <laughs> true. You know, walking guys with two strikes. Uh, you know, I'll never get over that. But anywho, uh, yeah, if if we were back in that era, I'd say, sure, give him a shot. Because if, if he's going to have one of those games where you know he just doesn't have it right off the bat, you yank him. But now you're talking about putting him in a high-leverage situation. You got three guys that he's got to face. And uh, you can change the outcome of a game rather quickly. Yeah. I, the one thing that I notice about this, uh, about this top seven uh, here, guys here in particular is that uh, one thing that we've been dealing with for the last, I don't know, five, six years is the whole uh, just stay healthy and everything will be fine strategy that they've been using on position players. But they've had a fairly decent and competent starting rotation for that time, uh, you know, barring, you know, singular uh, seasons of the starting five, uh, whether it be Giolito having an off year or Lance Lynn having an off year. But for the most part, they've had a, a fairly competent rotation for a few years now. And this year, you know, Kopech's been hurt a bunch. Uh, Tuki Toussaint. You last year you got a, a fairly uh, decent, uh, competent uh, depth piece out of him. Uh, can he continue that? I don't know. But then you've got Soroka, who is coming back from an injury, and you know I saw him last year in the minors, and he looked he looked pretty good, and he looked like he was on his way back. And uh, with the you know double Achilles nonsense, you know, I mean. Uh, you know, that's obviously uh, we've seen that whole thing play out before. Uh, and then Eric <laughs> Fetty, you know, injuries and then goes over to the KBO, turns into the uh, Cy Young of the KBO and MVP. And then you've got Chris Flexen, who has had some injuries, but also he started changing his uh, pitch mix. And that's one thing that they've been talking about redoing with him uh, to try and get him back to where he was a few years ago where he looked like a competent, uh, you know, back into the rotation guy. And then you've got Jared Schuster, who was once the number one rated prospect for the Braves. Uh, but, you know, his mechanics have shifted. So he lost some of his, uh, his sneakery uh, in his delivery. 
And that was one thing that uh, Katz and Bannister are definitely going to address and already have apparently started addressing. Um, but you've got a lot of question marks here. And I have gone on record here on on uh, all of the these Future Sox podcasts saying that I personally am not down on the pitching. I think that the pitching staff is going to be better than a lot of people are giving it credit for. And I've seen some national guys kind of coming along the same lines here in the last couple of days. Um, but even if I'm confident that that's the way things are, it doesn't mean that, you know, one of these guys' arms isn't going to fall off or somebody's going to, you know, Kopech's going to have a another tear in his other knee. I mean, I don't know, you know. I mean, But uh, th there could be all sorts of little things that could reach up and bite you and that's where the uncertainty comes in uh for for me at least i think other people yeah. are down on pitching a lot more than i am uh even if everybody were to stay healthy but uh what do you think about that nick you know i i think it is for me it's the lack of a track record i don't have some of these guys you know I like that they figured some things out and, you know, they've developed, you know, a, a different type of arsenal, but do, do you have, what's your body of work? You know, have you been able to do this at the major league level for 162? And, and I completely agree with your point. Like this is going to mix and match. Like we're going to need other arms to fill in uh, this starting rotation might very well be a nine to 11 type of, you know, when you look at it at the end of the day of how many people took the hill for the white sacks to start a game. Um, and, and it's just, you know, how days off factor in and little things here and there, and you could maybe skip a start to get a breather because some of these guys don't maybe have that stamina. And, and so maybe the first couple months, you know, it does look uh, like things are gelling. And again, it depends on what kind of spring, you know, these guys have and, and who emerges and all this, but where I'm so, I don't want to say I'm down on it. I'm just, I'm highly skeptical because of a lack of a, you know, a proven body of work. Yeah. Uh, that I pretty well said, uh, the one thing I'll say about this, you know, the, the, especially the, the, the handful of guys you got up there now, now, you know, we can talk about next man up if, if some of these guys start going down, like you're saying, or just, you know, need a rest. Uh, and honestly, that list can get a little wonky. But looking at the handful, you know, the top seven that we have here, uh, I would say, you know, honestly, it would not shock me if guys like Soroka, Fetty, and Flexen are you made possibly your top three pitchers we all want dylan cease to be successful right uh but you know consistency like you say is one of those things that has eluded most of this white Sox team uh you know i do want to see michael kopech make that next step i really really hope that he is the guy that when he was drafted and you know just shoved down our throat as being you know, the best thing since sliced bread. I really hope that guy shows up. But going down the list, there it's a, you know, it's a bunch that is at least thought to be very capable of being quality pitchers. You know, and, you know, some of these guys down towards the bottom of that list could very well be guys. They could very well be solid starting rotation pieces. 
And I know that there have been projections out there that say this year's, you know, projected starting rotation actually is looking like it could be slightly better than last year's. Not that that's a huge feat, but for us White Sox fans who suffered through some just awful ball, you know, we can talk about the offense all we want, but the pitching was atrocious at times too. So with a rotation like this and a potential rotation, who even knows? Uh, I think there is excitement about the potential, right? The possibility. Right. But with an improved defense, and I think everybody's talking about, well, this defense is at least going to be better, is at least going to be competent. That's got to help. You know, for, for some of these unproven pitchers, that's what you want. You've got to have a solid defense behind you where they know that, you know, they could go at a guy. They don't necessarily have to nip around and do it on their own. They can, you know, maybe pitch the contact because they've got, a, you know, a, a defense behind them uh, that can take care of their own business. Yeah, co- confidence is a hell of a drug when you're on a pitcher's mound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's hope. Uh, so let's move along to uh, the, the rest of the guys here on this list. Um, and this is the wow. – uh, this is the depth chart, not the uh, not the the forty man roster here, but um, <laughs> uh, obviously Lane Ramsey just was DFA'd, so he probably you know I mean assuming that uh, things don't change here, uh, he's not there. Um, but you know, I, I mean I'm just saying uh, we got Jesse Schultons who's going to be Jesse Schultons. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be one of your guys that's going to uh, possibly do some pickup starts. Um, but, uh, you know, pretty grim, you know. Um, you got Shane Drowen, who is the uh, the Rule 5 pick from the Red Sox. Um, command issues. Uh, a lot of people are thinking that he's probably going to end up in the, in the bullpen if the White Sox do indeed decide to continue to have him on uh but we'll see um that's one of those things where uh, you know that that's the rule five thing is always tricky i mean you saw it with uh avila you know pitching pretty stinking well and yet the white Sox decided to keep jose ruiz so uh i can't really say uh, that obviously different gm um so you know could be that if Shane Drowen is lights out and, you know, somebody like a Tim Hill is uh, not pitching well. Uh, it could be that, you know, unlike last year where, or, you know, where they, they let Avila go, um, that they do decide to uh, bite the bullet and just eat the money uh, because ultimately, even though Jose Ruiz was only making a million dollars, um, I have to assume that they didn't want to lose that money or they had faith in him because of how he pitched in the WBC, which we saw that was all smoke and mirrors as well, uh, just <laughs> because he was pitching against guys from the Netherlands or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, but Bag- I mean... Bagging groceries, you know. Yeah, electricians and plumbers. Uh, so, uh, you know, the same argument that everybody makes about uh, Babe Ruth hitting his home runs. Oh, that was against plumbers. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I think, like, pretty much the only guy on this list that I look at and see uh, potential as something that we at least something that we haven't really seen a whole lot of is Davey Garcia um 
you know, and the thing is, is that he is one of those guys that you have to minimize his exposure. You can't leave him out there too long. Uh, he's not going to be a, a long term, you know, like a, a, a mop up guy, you know, that's going to pick up two, three innings generally. Um, I don't know. The, just, you know, with all the injuries of this particular group of players, um, I don't know, not a whole lot of confidence here. And I, I kind of struggled to see how this is what they filled the depth chart with knowing that Jordan leisure is, you know, knocking on the door and, uh, somehow, um, Sammy Peralta and, you know, makes it there in front of him. I, I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> so, uh, your you guys know, thoughts people, on these guys. Um, I like this type, you know, the, this time of spring training when, guys emerge you know uh, guys step up guys win battles and it happens in these like setup roles these bullpen roles um so when people say hey spring training like what are you paying attention to spring training you're, you're paying attention for these types of things you know which arms are going to emerge and they're putting guys in different situations and they're pitching for their lives really you know when they come into a game in a cactus league game believe it or not especially this group it's nobody's really separating themselves from the pack. So if you can really wow the coaches and get out of some jam, show them some stuff, make some head turn heads turn, you've won yourself a job. I mean, that, that's what it is, uh, you know, with this group of pitchers. So I like this type of stuff, you know, names are going to emerge and you're gonna be like, where did this guy come from? You know, it happens every single year. Yep. Uh, and, and they got the heart, the hottest arm to start the year. So, it's not much to look at, but I have a feeling, you know, we're going to, we're going to be confident with a couple guys, hopefully a few guys uh, for sure. Uh, as, as we start getting through some spring training games. Yeah. So looking at the, uh, the 40 man here, uh, we've got Perlander Bar Baroa who just came over from the Mariners. Um, Yosimar Cousin, which some people have mentioned that it's possible that part of his contract was that, he would spend a year in the minors and then he would have a shot at making the big league club. And if not, he would be released uh, kind of that uh, Johnny Cueto, you know, type of release catch and release, I guess you could say um, uh, we'll see where he ends up. Um, you know, he looked to have, you know, an inning in the Arizona fall league where he looked uh, fairly comfortable. Uh, didn't really give up a whole lot of hard contact, out there and that was kind of a, a a theme for him all year last year where he didn't give up a ton of really hard contact but he would give up runs um so this could be he could be like the poster boy for the white Sox improved defense that he can pitch to contact and get some ground balls and still manage to get out of innings without uh without surrendering too much um you know, you got Jake Eder on here, uh, which, you know, we'll see a little bit of him as well. Uh, how much, I don't know. Uh, I think that, you know, with the command issues that he showed towards the end of last year, um, that, th you know, there was there was some concerns. And then he went to the Arizona Fall League, and he did look, he did look better. He had moments of dominance, but, you know, also coming after Tommy John, we'll see how that, uh, how that whole thing works out. Um, Scroll down here. Matt Foster, currently, last time I saw him, he was throwing about 65. 
uh, coming back from TJ, so uh, we don't have to really think about him too much. Uh, Davis Martin also coming back from TJ. Um, and uh, Alex Spees is on the list, which he's one of the other guys that we talked about earlier is possibly having a potential closer-type arsenal. And uh, we'll see we'll see where that uh, ends up there. Yeah, let me ask you this, Ian, uh, real quick. Do you see Nick Nostrini as a guy who can maybe, you know, I know that he's, you know, been a starter and projected as a starter and is, you know, the White Sox are really hoping that he can make his way up to the MLB club as a starter. Can you see them taking uh, a Chris Rail type, or I'm sorry, Chris Sale type route with him and uh, maybe giving him some uh, bullpen uh, outings? with the uh, with the MLB club, you know, maybe somewhere down the year, somewhere down the road this year? I mean, anything's possible, um, but I kind of think that, uh, you know, the the whole reason for doing that with sale at the time was they needed bullpen pitchers. And, <laughs> you know, I don't feel like this team really warrants that kind of rush job on uh, Nick Nestrini, who they have, you know, high hopes of him being a, a piece in the rotation for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, but then again, you know, we, we've, you know, they filled their, their coffers with, uh, with pitching last year uh, at the trade deadline. So who knows, you know, I mean, that's kind of one of those things is kind of just up in the air. We'll see. Um, yeah. I, I hope, how about this? I hope not. <laughs> I'd like to see. Right. I'd like That's to see him start. That's pretty much how I felt too. I, the yeah. reason I bring that up is I, I kind of saw that kicked around a little bit, and I went, "Wait a minute, let's not push." I don't know. You know, if White Sox fans can get a little. Uh, uh, not the time to rush anybody, man. This is not the year to rush anybody, especially an arm. Yeah, impatience is not going to do us uh, any good whatsoever. You're a ball club that's really not expected to compete. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that just a little bit because I'm sure everybody's seen the Pocota, uh stuff that came out today. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Was it good, it, Danny? Did, did they like us? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if, if zero, if, if you're if you're going on a scale of uh, zero to uh, is that bad, is that yeah, is yeah. that worrisome? Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah. Anywho. Uh, yeah, there, there's really no reason to rush anyone. Yeah. Uh, and I know you guys know how I feel about having Tim Hill taking a, a 40 man roster spot. I, why we needed to sign a 35 year old pitcher in December to pitch out of our bullpen when it's the one of one of a few places where the White Sox uh, do well in the development department. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But we get to watch him you know, come out with his uh, near six ERA last year and 1.6 plus whip. And, uh, you know, Romy Gonzalez gets to go somewhere else. I'm saying, you know, he's six, four though, Danny. So at least he adds some height to the pitching, uh, ah, you world. know, can he play first base? Oh, <laughs> you know, you know? I think that's an open, that could be an open audition. Um, just because they are the, the pairing, for the pitchers to report uh, the 40 man of catchers here. Uh, not exactly uh, inspiring. Uh, Corey Lee, who looked lost at the end of the year last year. Defensively, he looked 
okay. Uh, you know, he didn't uh, as, as being touted as a glove first catcher. Um, not really all that inspiring. Um, Martin Maldonado, also a glove first catcher, uh, can't can't swing the bat. Um, and then you've got Max Stasi, who who is a kind of a question mark. He's had some decent years behind the plate, you know, or or with the bat. But uh, he took all of last year off with uh, an injury and then uh, some medical issues with his family. So we don't really know what we're going to get. You know, hopefully it's a rejuvenated Max Stasi and he comes back ready uh, to bludgeon the baseball all over the place. But, uh, you know, he's probably going to be in a backup role to uh, Martin Maldonado is my guess. Thoughts? I mean, a, a list only a mother could love. It. it it's just... <laughs> You know, I mean, we're all going to be just saying to ourselves, who, who's that? When did they get him? You know, it, you're, you're going to hear from, from Sox fans at the beginning of the year. Of wh- who are these guys? Where did these guys come from? I mean, it's clear that offense has not been a priority. It, it's defense for sure this offseason and whatever. It, it at least do one thing right. You know, when you cannot do – when you can't figure offense out and you have horrible defense, then you have no use for you. So if you're not going to be able to hit, at least play some some stellar defense. Um, yeah, Corey Lee did look lost uh, at the plate. That is for sure. Um, he kind of looked lost know, behind a dish too. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't uh, – at the beginning, I, I, I don't know. I felt like, okay, th- this guy can this guy can handle himself, but – he could not figure out what was going on at the major league level uh, pitching wise. And he caught a lot of wrath from Pedro Grafol. Um And we've heard of guys that, Hey, I'm going to work on this. Or I'm going to work on that. Like, I just hope there's an improvement. I hope we see a little bit of an improvement, you know, when he has opportunities, but what can you really say about that list? Honestly, what, what can you say about it? Uh, it's just, hopefully there are more than warm bodies behind there, but uh, you know, and, and Maldonado gets has been talked a lot about what he can do for a young staff, though. You know, like how he has been able to help young catchers in Houston or what have you. So, can that presence? You know, I, I don't know what else is in the pipeline necessarily for this year, but boy, um, you know, I don't have much in terms of expectations. I'm just want to throw either. this out here real quick. Uh, I saw yesterday some. I think it might might have been Codify. Uh, it was somebody posted uh, defensive metric like uh, framing numbers for uh, since 2015, and at the top of that list was Yasmani Grandal in almost every category, and Martin Maldonado was way down the list. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Continue, Danny. No, you know, I was just saying that it's the one thing I've been talking off season with the, you know, the new direction of a defensive White Sox uh, improving defensively. That group leaves something to be desired pretty much from top to bottom. Uh, and, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it'll probably at least to start the season be a battery of Martin Maldonado followed by Max Stassi. I don't know if Corey Lee, unless he figures something out, uh, and he turns it on a little bit, you know, maybe we see him make his way back up. Martin Maldonado is a little long in the tooth. Uh, who knows how much, you know, beating he can take back there. 
but uh you know edgar carroll is is back there in the wing somewhere uh you know it's i don't know how way way back there yeah yeah and, and here's my thing you're probably looking at a list of guys that is going to make a lot of Sox fans that wanted to see Yasmani get launched. Uh, they're going to be clamoring for Yasmani. Still looking for a job. Seven fifty OPS plus because he's walking and and hitting <laughs> you know dribbling singles every now and again. You know, and and when I say he's walking, he's walking when he hits those dribbling singles too. So, you know, uh, walking slowly. It, it's it's a tough it's a tough group to look at for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I think this is a, a good as place as any to uh, leave this this evening uh, until we see some some actual action down. Uh, well, I guess we'll still have next week to talk as well uh, that, you know, we'll talk about some other things that are, uh, you know, sleepers, guys that we think that would maybe have a an actual shot to make this roster and uh, try and come up with some actual rosters you know like a pitching staff there could this, be some more team. moves ian i i think jake diekman just found a new home uh, with the new york mets so yes, he did there Jake-man. could be some st- <laughs> you never know what grits gets might pull off in the next few days yeah uh you know i i think that uh, pretty much sums up uh two-thirds of that list in uh the comment uh not much to look at you know when you uh yeah. just you know glaze over the surface you know uh watching a bunch of guys in the minor leagues you know i see some potential in some of these guys but you know we're talking about uh guys that we're asking to take up a considerable amount of innings depending on you know what this starting staff does so uh you guys got anything else uh of import for this week no i think that about covers it brother uh you know, we can sit here and rant all night long, honestly, but uh, we hit we we hit what we needed to hit. I concur, Nick. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna you know try to race out and get that spring training hat, uh, that mm. new hat, uh, that new look, and uh, just get ready. I mean, I'm excited. I really am excited for spring training. It's it's the start of baseball. What we have to get excited about is a whole nother thing. But generally, I, I'm excited for for this to get going here. Yep. Yeah, pitchers and catchers reporting just means the weather is, uh, you know, going to turn sometime in the near future, uh, which always excites me a little bit, you know, and uh, getting back to the ballpark is rough as an experience as it may be. Single see, uh, single game tickets on sale soon, like the Ooh. 12th or the 15th. I got an email about it. So Get them quick. Right. They're going fast. Yeah. Get your calendar out. <laughs> Look at that schedule. Uh, I'll get those. Uh, uh, I'll get those September games for dollar seventy three. Yeah, <laughs> get them on the uh, the old secondary market. Uh, so, uh, futuresocks.net, You can find written content from uh, all the fantastic writers over at Future Socks. Uh, you can uh, see us on Twitter at Future Socks. Um, also, uh, if you are listening to this in stream form, uh, you can find this stream anywhere you find your streams. Uh, but you can also find this in video format and audio only on YouTube. You can find this video on our Twitch videos page. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge at Daily White Sox. 
Next to me is Nick Murawski at Nick underscore GGTB. And uh, Danny Miller at Danny Miller FS. Um, feel free to uh, peruse our website. I know that James Fox has got some, uh, has put up some nice uh, pieces on the trades that just happened over the last week. And uh, Nick's also put out some, some nice content as well. Um, if you're there and you feel like supporting what we do, feel free to click on the Patreon. Uh, we thank you so much for your patronage this evening. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming and watching. Thanks for hopping in. We will catch you guys next week. We appreciate you. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye.